good afternoon, good evening, good morning, hello, and good night, and good night. Yeah, what is that? David Frost, Truman Show, Truman Show. Yeah, mm. different yeah. reference points for different. <laughs> no, that's the worst one. It's the worst quote. Welcome to True Cult Pop. It's episode 23. This is a music podcast where we talk about music. That We being me, Stephen Hill, and you've heard his voice. Oh. You've heard what he thinks about cinema, <laughs> the Truman Show. Yeah. Uh, it's Sam Slight, everyone. Sam Slight. Sam Slight, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Say it again. Go on. Sam Slight. There we go. Four times. Right? Brilliant. Lovely. Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? How, how the devil are you, Stephen Hill, on this most auspicious of weeks? I'm okay, mate. I'm all right. It's a nice day out. I just went and did what I usually do before we record a podcast. I went and got a coffee from my local coffee shop. How many uh, kinds of quinoa did you ask about? <laughs> Loads. All of them. Oh, uh, it is usually a little bit slow in there, but it wasn't today because I got in in front of a woman. There was a person who could best be described, Sam, between you and I, as a hippie in front of me. Ooh. And she oh. said, oh, my children, Gabriel, Fern, and... Now you said quinoa, it makes me want to say quinoa, but it wasn't quinoa. <laughs> it was... Quinoa. Um, what like is another... No, what is another herb? Another herb? She basil. named her child after... No, not basil, because basil's a name, isn't it? Oh, so is Fern. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, you're right, actually. Yeah. Oh, fuck, yeah. And so, um, well, Gabriel, but that's not a herb. Gabriel, but like... Just an angel. So. Uh, he was called like parsley or something. I can't remember. <laughs> it was called parsley. No, honestly, I'm not even making it. Parsley. Like, fuck, you know, parsley you, Tompkins. Parsley duchies to the left-hand side, I think. He was oh, called. dear. <laughs> oh, dear. I had to get a little bit of reggae in, a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. of the office, a little bit of Anna Park. Just get all that out of the way. Thanks very much for joining us. Joining, <laughs> joining oh, us. Good lord! God, it's one of those fucking, weeks, isn't it? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, I think it's yeah. one of those weeks. Anyway, I've got the coffee. There's a funny child in my village. Funny named child in my village. Uh, this week on the show, we're going to be talking about um, a fairly different couple of bangers that have been stuck in our head this week. Pretty different. Mm. Maybe the most different that we've ever done. Do you think that's fair? Don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, quite possibly. possibly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll get on to that in a little bit. We're going to be talking about new music from Gorillaz, from Zulu, from Algiers, from Full of Hell and Primitive Man, from Shame, and from Rebecca Black. It's a Ooh. busy week for releases and just things that we're talking about. Because some of these are... Rebecca Black's actually been out a little while. We missed it. It has, yeah. yeah. And we thought, well, we should definitely put that in, shouldn't we? Definitely. Yeah. I was and, in, uh, a quite close bedfellow with Dylan Walker from Full of Hell, actually. Definitely. And... Yeah. Lizzo has upset the heavy metal community. Thank God for her. Thank God. Awful, yeah. awful person. <laughs> She's not. No. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Before we do, thank you very much, everyone who signs up to our Patreon page. We appreciate that. Why don't you do that if you haven't done that? Go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop and you can sign up for our exclusive content over there. Coming tomorrow, if you're listening to this podcast the day that it comes out, Sam and I talked about a very good album mm. a very good album from the 80s beeline matchbooks disaster they've got it wrong again 80s matchbooks beeline disaster 80s matchbooks beeline disaster that's what they're called stop getting stop band getting names wrong garage bands from the 2000s wrong lynn um <laughs> 80s matchbooks beeline disaster that's what they're called isn't it that's the one yeah you've done it you've done it so. so I've written 80s beeline matchbox disaster I mean if you are going to have a name that is so convoluted as that then you you're going to have to expect to people get will get it wrong. Anyway, Horse of the Dog, their debut album we were talking about from 2002, which recently celebrated its 20th anniversary with a vinyl reissue featuring uh, Edgar Wright of Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz 
Scott Pilgrim versus the world and some <laughs> other f- films. Uh, he wrote some liner notes for, for that album. And it was an album you'd never heard before, Sam. Nope. Because you were only like eight when it came out. That is correct. And I'd never heard it before because I was too cool at the time to listen to anything <laughs> that got on MTV2 for 10 yes. minutes. And I feel like a bit of a fool because it is a really, really, really fucking good album, as you will hear if you listen to our podcast coming out tomorrow. Yeah, it's absolutely smashing. I, I would recommend everyone go and listen to it because they're clearly just a, a fantastic band who just kind of fell through the cracks a little bit. Um, and we were sort of, well, none the wiser as to why, really. So I think yeah, it needs no, more investigation. Or I'm the doped, really, because I remember them being around. I didn't really listen to them much. So silly me. And if you sign up for our £5 a month tier, the True Classic Pop tier, you will be getting another classic album podcast this week coming on Jagged Little Pill by Laz Morissette, the multi, 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 etc. Platinum selling, iconic, alternative rock album from a hashtag angry young lady. Mm. Uh, that became a thing in the 90s, didn't it? Like, oh, why are you so angry, girls? Why are you so angry? Um, yeah. Uh, but a brilliant record, just a fucking brilliant record, a massive record. And it's a story that's been told a lot. We're going to try and find a few little tidbits that haven't really been touched on. But I'm looking forward to doing that because, I mean, again, you were like one when this came out. So I suppose you don't really remember it happening. But do you, do you yeah. like Laz Morissette? Are you into it? Are you into that record at all? Uh, I am, yeah. I, I definitely don't know it sort of as well as I would imagine you do, not having been there kind of for the release and the impact and everything. But yeah, it's a storming album. I think its reputation precedes it. Um, am I a fan of Alanis Morissette outside that? I've not really explored much of the post Jagged Little Pill stuff myself, so don't really need to. Okay, all right, thank you. That saves me, it. saves me some time. We'll, we'll get into that as we do. But anyway, go <laughs> to patreon.com forward slash true cop pop, sign up for all the stuff there, and that is what is coming in the next five or six days if you're listening to this podcast when it first comes out. Right, um, Sam, you've got me in a place, you've got me in a bind, if you like. Uh, I hadn't listened to the Melvins for ages. Oh. And then you went, this week I've been listening to History of Bad Men by the Melvins mm. a lot. And I yeah. was like, oh, okay, is that your song? And then I've just listened to the Melvins loads. They're really, really good, aren't they? They're Fucking just a really good band, mate. And uh, A History of Bad Men, uh, I think, is absolutely astonishingly brilliant track from them. Um, I don't know Melvins back catalogue inside and out. To be honest, I probably only really... No, probably only really know Houdini and the album that this is from, A Senile Animal, their uh, 15th studio album from 2006. Um, so there are definitely bits and bobs I don't know. Oh, I also really enjoyed working with God, their 2021 album, their first one in 2021. I thought that was pretty good. Um, but this this is probably the album that I listen to the most, actually. Like, I think, obviously, Houdini is brilliant, but I go back to A Senile Animal so much. And it's basically because I heard, you know, the opening riff to this, uh, that just deep gravelly bass guitar i think the groove on that that real sludge riff is just mm-hmm. oh irresistible um and buzz's performance in the verses of that wake up you never looked so glum tell me how they know they can hear us coming it's so good it's on the pub playlist at work and i quite often make it, skip it up through the queue so i can just have a good head bang while i'm pouring pints because it's oh. fucking brilliant this song man and I, it doesn't do loads and loads and loads there's the distinction of the real kind of sludgy kind of dirge of the verse which is just so tar thick and heavy and you've got that really rambunctious chorus of the dire 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 it's fleeting it's yeah wonderful i love melvins i need to listen to more melvin steve yeah you bloody do i mean i think you know this is 
uh, not really, if I'm honest, as someone who does listen to the Melvins or who does know a lot of the Melvins back catalogue, this isn't particularly an album that I have um, really that I really paid that much attention to, to be honest. I oh, think really? that it is is decent, but it's not one that I go fucking mad for, to be perfectly honest. Uh, this song is great, though. I mean, what I think is weird about this, right, is that, did you know this is their third biggest song on Spotify? I don't know if you playing it over and over again is going to do that. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I'm quite surprised that this is their third biggest song, to be honest. Like, I, I mean, obviously, Honey Bucket would be the big one. Honey thought. Bucket is yeah, the yeah. biggest one with 17,609,000 something. And then Revolve from uh, Stoner Witch. Oh, is okay. is their second biggest song with 13 million, weirdly. And then Hooch, which I thought would be the big one, um, has like 5 million and something. Night Goat as well from uh, from uh, Houdini also has about 5 million. Going Blind from Houdini. So Houdini's got the most of the big ones on it. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, the where's album. the bit? The bit I would have thought, you know, would have been right up there, but it's not. It's not. I mean, mm. this song has nine, quite considerably bigger than anything else from uh, the rest of their back catalogue other than those two. It's the only one that is close to being their third 10 million plus song. So it's got mm. 9 million, 95,367 uh, 95, listens on Spotify, which is, you know, a lot for a band like the Melvins who are you know, a, an underground band and uh, mm. you know, obviously been around for a long time. And this is a long, long time into their career. I, I, like, this isn't a, a critique on the song at all because I think the song is fucking great. I mean, the quality of the harmonies as well. Mm. Buzz, Buzz is a great riff writer, an incredible riff writer, but I don't think he gets enough credit for being a really, really good vocalist either. He's great. He, he's so dexterous. I think he can do so many things so well. I mean, you know, not to like a pattern level or something like that, but he, yeah, he really doesn't get enough credit for... His vocal delivery and the character that he's able to get across in it, you know, just, I mean, admittedly, that character is basically a madman with big hair, but he does it brilliantly, <laughs> doesn't he? Oh, and also, actually, um, I mean, seeing as you, this is not an album that you sort of um, think about within Melvin's back catalogue and go to so often. I didn't know, because I was just looking for any sort of like extra information that I thought might be interesting to throw in about it, kind of any sales figures and stuff. It was, you know, quite well critically acclaimed. I think it got a 7.4 in Pitchfork or something like that, which, you know, as we have discussed, is quite a difficult thing to get. But um, it was when, uh, this was the first album after uh, Kevin uh, Rutmans, or Rutmanis, I think I've misspelled that, but the previous bassist left, mm. and they got uh, Big Business to come in. So you've got Jared Warren on bass and Cody Willis doing drums and extra vocals on this, um, which yeah. I thought was quite an interesting sort of turn of events. And the bass, obviously, in, in particular on this song, I think is what really makes it. That just dirty riff. But, yeah. yeah, I've seen the Melvins doing that kind of dual drum, dual bass thing and yeah. they are they're fucking great i mean yeah this, this song is is wicked but it's again like it's not you know when you said that i was like oh and i was a bit like what album is that song from i don't even remember because like for me i think they've got a lot of good they've got a lot of mm. good albums they've got a lot of good albums i mean i think glue porch treatments the early early really fucking harsh stuff is great um but it's not my favorite i think bullhead again uh i think is really good as well from the sort of earlier stuff that run I think of Houdini, less so Prick, but Houdini, Prick, Stoner Witch, Stag, uh, again, less so Honky, and the Bootlicker and the Maggot and the Crybaby up to 2000. Fucking amazing. 
all of that yeah. shit is fucking amazing and for me i mean again i'm sounding like that you know when people <laughs> people got annoyed when i said not annoyed but some people were like really you really think that when i said the best the best bad religion album is strange and fiction on our patreon page yeah i don't know if you know that they basically released three record three albums on atlantic between 93 and 96 it was the post nirvana gold rush years mm. and some weird fucking bands signed to major labels melvin's were one of those bands absolutely stag was the last one that came out from those three that came out on atlantic i think that's the best melvin's record personally Ooh, go on then i I'll think definitely it's check it out definitely yeah. check it out because i don't know that i know that one at all potentially yeah stag is 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 fucking incredible i think it's brilliant um they got some they got some good albums after that. i think like They've got some hard shit to listen to as well. Pigs of the Roman Empire, I think, is really hard to listen to. I quite like The Bride Screen Murder as well. And I quite like Nude with Boots. Um, after that, it's a bit of a... You know, I think it's um, it's a lot of weird shit. It's a lot of yeah. weird shit that I'm not entirely sure you definitely, definitely need. I mean, what was the one that I, we nearly reviewed on Right Act? was Pinkus Abortion Technician. Which I was just like, I, it's hard work that. And you mentioned Five Legged Dog. Did you know Working, uh, working with, with God was the one I, I didn't with God. hear Five Legged Dog. Yeah. No, I remember getting Working with God and thinking it was all right. Oh, I quite um, liked it, as I recall. But then yeah. obviously, as we've established, I believe we've established that I don't <laughs> know the best of the Melvins. Yeah, hashtag the best of my... But that is, mm. yeah, sorry, that's that what's got a cover of uh, I Get Around by the Beach Boys on it, isn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, that is good. I'll tell you one I would say. Um, the Bride Screen Murder has got a cover of, a seven and a half minute long cover of My Generation on it by The Who. <laughs> Brilliant. And they turn it into something quite, quite unlistenable. And it's quite, it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to listen to that one. You finished. should. Definitely. You should. Yeah, if you want to go, like, if ever we do something on weirdest ever cover versions, that would be one <laughs> that I would pick because it is fucking so weird, that cover. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, but this is classic Melvins. Classic Melvins. Really good. <laughs> really, really good. Um, it's top. It is top. Uh, it's also, Sam, it is a mere six minutes and 42 seconds long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> unlike <laughs> unlike what I picked and I had to make this distinction to you because I didn't want you fucking up and listening to the wrong version I've gone for People Hold On by Cold Cut featuring Lisa Stansfield again it couldn't be much of different of course he has of course you have of course Steve. I have yeah. that is what you of course I have uh, Cold Cut Matt Black and Jonathan Moore a pair of DJs came together in the 1980s uh, I recently went on the Pop Collaborate and Listen podcast as yes. we've uh, mentioned a couple of times when I talked about Jack and Pliers and we talked about cold cuts sort of latter day stuff that they did in the 90s which is probably maybe like the coolest stuff they did with like the Herbalizer Talvin Singh I remember they worked with we did mention this they did a collab with Jello Biafra around that mm. time called Every Home a Prison which is pretty good you should listen to that as well yeah uh, cool they had some hits that I more remember them for for prior to that. I kind of am more au fait with the cold cuts earlier material uh, Doctor in the House was their debut single that was a big hit and then they were the plastic population band with yaz for the the massive massive uh number one hit that they had which is you know do you know it what what's your cut off 
<laughs> I'm you. Well, what is Yaz enlighten is, me? Say, no, I I don't know that I do know what Yaz's big hit with the plastic population is. The only way is up. The only way. Oh, is up. of course. Oh, right, okay. Baby, for you and me now. Very yeah? good. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I do know that one. Yeah. My Yaz. That is actually my impression of Yaz. Heather Small from M People and Lisa Stansfield. Same same impression. Never seen in the same room, do you? But like, <laughs> like you say, you never see Buzzles born and Miriam Margulies <laughs> in the same room. You do don't, you? to be fair, no, no. Okay. Not since anyway, that weekend. So they had some hits, right? They had some hits. Bangers, if you're asking. And um uh but people people hold on, I think is the finest single moment of their career. Uh it came out on the thirteenth of March nineteen eighty nine, which was my ninth birthday. Oh, lovely. What a good, what a nice gift. What to a you. lovely gift to me. So it is yeah. going to be, let me do the maths on that, 30, uh, 34 years old this mm, year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Quite a long time. Uh, it's the first thing from the debut album, What's Going Down, which number four on the UK single chart. And it is without question for me, a soaring club ready banger of a song. Mm. The 3 minute and 57 version is good. Really, really good. Yeah. Killer, in fact. Mm. But do yourself a favour or be told that you are contractually obliged to listen to the 9 minute and 24 minute full disco mix and dance your bum bums off. That would be my mm. advice to you. Sam, what do you reckon of this song? Particularly the version that I bullied you into listening to. <laughs> well, I did listen to both versions. I thought I'll give the single version a listen first. So I did listen to the uh, the, the taut three minute fifty seven one. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. In short, basically, I think this is really really good. Um, I, and I do like that extended version. I like some of the weirder kind of tricks they're playing with the synthesizers. There's the kind of way it sort of like bubbles up and then fizzes away in between the verses, where Lisa Stansfield comes in and is a great pop diva. I would say it's really nice, quite sort of. Uh, I'd say maybe easy listening sort of house, maybe. Yeah, I mean, kind of early yeah. house, early yeah. house music. Yeah, it's got a bit of that to it, but um, yeah, it's just great eighties pop. I mean, to be honest, I was surprised it came out in nineteen eighty nine. I thought it sounded like it may have been a few years prior, but you know, that's not a slight against it. It just sounds kind of of its time. But production wise, I think it's held up really, really well. I think it still sounds great. Um. I don't think I've got loads to say on it beyond I think this is a really good song that is also the exact same uh, length as the title track of Lateralis. Another good song. Though people often make that comparison, don't they? <laughs> Lisa Stansfield um, ascending to Saturn. And yes, the two people that make uh, Justin Chancellor and Lisa Stansfield are forever <laughs> going, oh, me and you, we're oh. the same. Uh, it's weird with Lisa Stansfield, right? Because uh, Lisa Stansfield... Uh, quite boring, middling sort of MOR soul pop thing. Like she's obviously got a very good voice. I would say yeah, the majority yeah. of her material is a bit dull, to be okay. honest. You know, a little bit dull. I think she's got some all right songs. Like I don't mind a bit of I've been around the world and now yeah yeah I can find my baby. I don't mind that. No. But a lot of her stuff is a bit boring. And yet here she sounds fucking great. Mm, absolutely proper like diva like pop queen mm. sort of powerful soul vocal almost like yeah. she's really fucking good on this song definitely yeah and it's another like you know for me that the, the 80s that kind of the, the trevor horn giorgio moroder inspired 
12 inch revolution that happened during the 80s which actually i suppose you have to give quite a big big bit of credit to new order and blue monday for mm. sort of popularizing that as well particularly in this country i guess but i do think i genuinely do think that nine minute 24 disco mix of it is is the superior version and it's true of so many of these songs from this era um i know you know if you if you've got shit to be doing maybe you don't want to <laughs> listen to a nine minute and 24 second long version of this song when there is a perfectly acceptable single uh, version of it you know but if you do have the time that's the one personally that i would go for and think yourself lucky sam because you were a bit like oh nine minutes 24 i mean mm. look if you'd have done the clandestine thing that you were asked to do and ended up presenting right act and just huffing me off you'd have to listen to this would be a short one this would be a short song and yeah. you have to listen to three albums by bands that have every song is this long mm. oh every week and you wouldn't be able to dance to any of it no. you know th- opening the third stage at portals waste of time like that would be your life so in a lot of ways you've got to think that me just asking you to listen to one really good nine minute long song is better than the alternative surely yes you are great steve thank you thank you for <laughs> bestowing upon me Phew. this treat uh, i was but, waiting mate, for like, yeah nine minutes 24 it does fly by it's really really good I, I i would say it is definitely worth your time if you've not heard this extended version it's well good it is good mm. so a lot of them in there. The um, never let me down. The the long, the the nine minute long never let me mm. down on, that I've got on that uh, music for the masses. But Ooh, I, I just it. like twelve inches. I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, you dirty rat. It's basically sex music. So it's it's basically sex music. Yeah, essentially, you can have a, a few goes uh, in the length of time it takes you to listen to. People hold on. People, you'd have to hold on, wouldn't you? You've yeah. got to be strong, as Lisa Stansfield <laughs> quite rightly says. Let's talk about the one real big bit of news mm. that has happened this week. And, I mean, it's big news for us. As a podcast who likes Lizzo and likes Ramstein, yeah. not many of us out there. You can count them on one hand. Count on one finger, really, can't you? It's us, isn't it, really? I don't think there's many well, other. That's two, though. Can't do that on one finger, can you, Steve? What? There are two of us. Yeah, but we're we are united as one for this podcast under the banner that is true. of the name. Of, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, 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 we are quite a sort of amorphous mass of music listening. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not saying that there aren't other people who like that, but I don't think that they're. You know, you, we're specifically going. We're metal people, but we like Lizzo mm. and all that. So, and and the fact that we have picked out Ramstein specifically and Lizzo specifically as the thing I think this just feels like she did this just <laughs> to, for us really so I think for me specifically as well maybe even more you. geared towards me I think like as yeah. much as you like Lizzo and Ramstein like I fucking love Ramstein and you know we've yeah. had our Lizzo revelation in the last 12 months but oh this is just the the best thing that's happened this year yeah so on the 27th of February she basically played German. She did a gig in Germany, in Hamburg. Yes. And spontaneously burst into an a cappella version of Du Hast, right? Which yeah. is cool, right? Yeah. That's cool. She's having fun. The next night in Berlin, she'd beefed it up. She'd done a actual full-blown cover of it with a live yes. band, beefed it up. 
did the lot. She said, you better sing that shit. <laughs> You're ready to go fucking crazy. And then does do hast with head banging, booty shakes, jumping up and down. I mean, look, you know, people were, some people did say, is it the best cover? I mean, look, you know, no, it's, not the, it's not the best cover of do hast, but then I don't know what, I don't know any covers of do hast off the top of my head, to be honest. It's certainly the, the only cover that I can even think of that I've been like, oh yeah, that is good. Yeah. So, you know, great. Um, this is excellent. I think this is really cool. Uh, it's really funny to see. It's just a nice little thing. Metallica do it, don't they? Metallica always get Rob and Kirk on and they play songs from the artists from the surrounding area. And yeah, they don't get really bad. And it's quite bad. Yeah. And they don't get told off for it. But the reaction to it was... Pathetic. A bit, bit pathetic, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my favourite one was when she did the sort of little acapella bit in Hamburg, which for the record just watching her do that is just so joyous I, I maintain that I want to go for a woo-woo with Lizzo one day I mean it's obviously never going to happen but imagine oh, that mate, night we'll, out we'll try and get so... a PR and see if we can get like <laughs> can you imagine if we got Lizzo on the show this is the dream oh, see this mate. is why this is why we need to become a a, a cultural staple an important <laughs> like pop culture artifact then yeah, we can get the... people like Lizzo and we can ask her about apparently she likes the Mars Volta as well brilliant oh really oh okay. yeah Nice. Maybe she do a Nurshiatic ESP on one of the US dates. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. I think that's definitely going to happen. That actually happened, yeah. Yeah. But when she did that, the sort of little acapella one, and she just, you know, obviously sort of sings out the riff a little bit and then just goes, nine! And she goes, oh, Hamburg, I'm loving this shit. It's like, she, oh, she's the best. But when that was the first, when that was the initial story, I saw on Metal Hammer's Twitter a load of people going, oh, she shouldn't be covering it. Oh, God, what's she doing? Oh, oh God, bro. It's like, in the time it's taken you to write out your pathetic little tweet, you could have clicked on the video and seen that it's not a cover. She's just kind of ad-libbing and having fun. And then I like that the next day she did do a full-blown cover of it because that really pissed those people off. So fuck you lot, basically. Lizzo's the best. Ramstein are brilliant. Why, what, what, why would you not want those two things put together? I want to see them collab because I saw Ramstein share it on their Instagram. They were sharing the sort of like video of it. It's like, come on, mm. do, a, do a scooter remix of Pussy with Lizzo on guest vocals. Do that. I mean, it's obviously just a great little extra thing. Like I'm, you know, she probably won't do it in the UK. I'm going to see Lizzo in a couple yep. of weeks. I'm looking forward to that. Would love her to do do has that would be funny, but that's not why I'm going. But it is an no. extra little nice tidbit. Um, I do, do like she might do for the UK one if she, if she does do a track because you know maybe maybe Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. I think if she's in London, she's definitely going to do. Um, London calling. No, I think she's going to do Force Fed by Employed to Serve. I know that's slightly out of Woking, but yeah, fine. London, yeah, but I think they'll she should do something like that. Uh, we'd like to think so. Um, but it just, yeah, I mean, it sort of, it wasn't just Metal Hammer. It was on Revolver, and it was on Loudwire, and it was on Metal Ejection, mm. and it was the same reaction on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and everywhere. Oh, I'm sure. All yeah, of yeah, a load of uh, deodorantless virgins getting really angry about it. And I just thought, at a kind of broader point, can we stop pretending that metal is the most accepting? You know, when you see people go like, oh, we're the most accepting people. Da, 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 da. Can we stop pretending that that's true? Yeah. Because it's clearly not true, is it? It's obviously not true. Well, and that's I fine. Don't... That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if that isn't the truth and it just isn't the truth, that's fine. It's just not the truth. But it's so far from being the truth. 
that it's hilarious to hear people say it. You would imagine that those same people would be going, oh, the reason I got into this music is because, you know, it's like, it's so accepted, it's so much more open-minded and da, 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 and all this stuff. And it's like, well, I don't think it is. I just don't no. think it is. I mean, this is proof positive that it's not. I can't think that there would be any other group of fans of any other genre of music who would react in this manner. I don't think an indie band... Imagine if Lizzo cover, comes does come to the UK and covers, like, I don't know, Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. yeah. Right? Arctic Monkeys fans, or and just indie fans in general, are probably not just not going to care. They'll probably go, okay. You know, that's nice. fine. Yeah. I can't imagine hip-hop fans would care if a pop artist... Well, they, they do all the time, don't they? They cover that shit mm. all the fucking time. Um you know, they didn't really get annoyed when Duran Duran covered. Everyone did go, oh Christ. But when Duran Duran covered 911 is <laughs> a, a joke. They actually covered it and actually put it on their record. People did just go, oh. But no one was like, they shouldn't be allowed to do it. Da, 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 da. No. And there's probably more of an argument that that is kind of, I don't know, cultural appropriation or whatever you want to fucking call it, than, than this is, right? And I just don't, I think, like, would folk fans, if they, did, I mean, mate, I think folk fans can be a bit sort of snobby. I think classical music fans can be really snobby as well. But what do those all have in common? They're all marginalised genre, genres that, gender, that the wider popular culture couldn't give a flying fuck about. I mean, yeah. there were some that I thought, I saw some guy say, uh, oh, Lizzo's just trying to, you know, win favour with the metal fans by doing that and trying to suck up. To it. It's like, do you honestly think, Lizzo, one of the biggest pop stars on the face of planet Earth, gives a flying fuck about what Aladdin and Emperor T-shirt. Yeah, bloke yeah. with a fucking overkill vinyl thinks. Like, <laughs> no. absolutely not. Absolutely. Like, how much do you fancy yourself if you think that that is the case? That the biggest pop star in the world is just going, oh, I really want to crack the heavy metal market. That's what I want to do. It's like, no. She's selling out arenas across the world. She's like absolutely gargantuanly massive. She's far bigger than, with the exception of Metallica, I would say just far bigger than any of these people, right? Yeah, but she hasn't written her Senjutsu yet, has she? So I can totally see the argument that she's trying to muscle in on metal, definitely. Yeah, but, uh, completely. Yeah, yeah. On, on the subject, though, of... Um, you know, metal is the most accepting sort of subculture and everything like that. I mean, there are so many, 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 many reams of evidence about it. I would say next time anyone, next time you hear or see anyone say it or anything like that, say, oh, well, metal is the most accepting, you know, genre in the world. Tell them about uh, the book, What Are You Doing Here by Lena Dawes? And I think that mm. will, um, well, they, they probably won't listen, will they? Because they probably can't read. Um, but that would change their mind considerably if they took the time to actually think about what they've said there. So, sorry, it's, metal fans, you're annoying. Yeah, it's a shame. And obviously, it's not all metal fans. It's not. No, I mean, of course you know, not. I, the thing is, it's like, you know, we're metal fans, aren't we? We both yeah, really yeah. like metal. But then I think there's people who just don't have anything apart from the fact that you like metal and yeah. that or, or any genre of music i just think is a is a bit like to make you react like that i think is is a little bit of a shame because that is a cool thing that is yeah. a cool thing that a pop star has just shown that you know they respect and like something which i don't even think you should be that surprised i'm not really surprised that lizzo likes or is aware of ramstein i'm not surprised by that at all 
No, I mean, I'd be surprised if she came out and did like an Einstein Sender Neubarten song. That would be a surprise. But like Ramstein are massive and yeah, it's it's great that she likes them. I think yeah. that's cool. Or if she yeah. did fucking balls to the wall by accept, you'd go, oh, that is like in yeah. 2023, that's a fairly niche thing. But like, you know, Ramstein are a stadium artist. They're basically, those two artists have more in common than Ramstein and, you know, insert pub circuit underground retrograde yeah. thrash band who are, do you know what I mean so I don't know it's a shame it's a shame that people react like that but you know um, co-headline tour please headline tour yeah co-headline tour. oh my god imagine that this point Ramstein yeah. fucking amazing anyway let's do some reviews yeah let's start with Cracker Island by Gorillaz the eighth studio album from Damon Albarn's cartoon lads and lasses oh oh we I'm did a little then. bit. Yeah, I'm mad at that. It's the follow-up to 2020's Song Machine Season 1, Strange Times, which I listened to once or twice. I didn't really feel like it was that great, which kind of leads into a chat that we recently had on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash true cult pop, about Gorillaz and the Plastic Beach album, which came at a time where you had basically forgotten that Gorillaz were even a thing. Yeah. I really liked it and then went back to it and went, oh, actually, maybe it's not quite as good as those excellent first two Gorillaz albums. Mm. And then I think both of us sort of forgot about Gorillaz as a band for a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had not thought about them. Like, I'd seen them pop up on a few sort of festival bills. I think they did All Points East. Was it last year? Maybe last year. Oh, it was last year. It was last um, year, yeah. I remember them doing a show prior to that as well, uh, like a big outdoor show. And I was like, oh, they they're still a band fair enough but yeah i've not listened to any material between um plastic beach and this one and i have heard that the last one um is kind of generally considered their their weakest yeah from, i didn't uh, think a few people great. yeah I, I know a few people who are quite big gorillas fans and they were like yeah last one really turned me off it's like oh that's a shame so yeah they did win best band at the brits in 2018 or 19 i think it's 2018 really yeah hmm? yeah so I was there, yeah. I remember, okay. I remember seeing, yeah. I remember seeing them and I was like, oh. All the cartoons, did they come out? No, it was just Damon. Uh, what a letdown. What? <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> Not for me, I liked no, it. No, no. Uh, anyway, look, um, there's been a, there's a really good interview, incidentally, which I'm sure a few of you have seen, which I nearly picked as a news piece, but I'm going to just chuck it in here instead. Damon Albarn talking about the genesis and the creation of the song Clint Eastwood from the first Gorillaz record, which was basically mm. a preset on a keyboard. Oh, Really? Yeah, it's an interview, as oh, I know. Wow. It's a really good interview, actually. It's a really, really good interview. I suggest you watch the whole thing. But that particular little snippet is really, really cool and very interesting. Yeah, it's really, really good. And, yeah, I just think, you know, like, the genius of Gorillaz is, like, uh, obviously the, the idea, but the simplicity of a lot of it, I think when it gets a bit too convoluted mm. is the problem with Gorillaz, I feel like. When I've listened to the last few, it's like, this has now become... I mean, Plastic Beach was a concept album of sorts, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, and it was, but I think the concept is something you can quite easily ignore with that because it's just, you know, an interesting set of songs. Although, as as I think we, you know, both agreed, the weird thing I found with, Plas- <coughs> excuse me, with Plastic Beach is that it felt like it was a sort of various artists' album where Gorillaz were the backing band rather yeah. than a Gorillaz album with other people on it. But yeah, but anyway, yeah, go on. But I think yeah, that kind of simplicity and that straightforwardness in Gorillaz it actually. Is, is what has always made pop music sort of work and i think that's where gorillas excel as they mm. do excel on those first couple of albums now there are a lot a lot of guests on this record mm. but i think this is for me 
a significant improvement on anything that I've heard them do for quite some time. Uh, it's really good, this record, yeah. I think. I think it's really strong. I think the first five songs are all absolutely spectacular. Uh, I think the way it opens with them, um, the title track, Cracker Island, with Thundercat on it, uh, but presumably providing guest bass as well as vocals, um, it's just absolutely brilliant. It's got a lovely throb to it. I love that electronic sway. It's so danceable. And Damon Albarn doing kind of the Damon Albarn vocal of of Blur, you know, the, the kind of one that you would associate with him, a bit sort of like cheeky chappy, semi-spoken word kind of laddie. It works absolutely brilliantly. I think that's a top track. And actually, that one and Oil with Stevie Nicks, which I think is lush, just gorgeous dance track. Those two, I think, really sort of highlight uh, why I think um, this plays to their strengths more than I think Plastic Beach did. Because as good as Plastic Beach is, as I say, I think it felt like a various artists album that Gorillaz were on. Whereas here, I think they use the guests really, really well to just accentuate the songs as a guest appearance should be. Where they're mm. not the main focus, but they bring something to it and bring a different colour to it. Like, I think New Gold with Booty Brown and Taming Parlour is absolutely fantastic. That kind of super sweet, like, ambient start before it goes into basically sci-fi cinema synthesizers with funk bass guitar and disco. It's it's absolutely brilliant. I do think it drops a little bit around Baby Queen. I think Baby Queen, Tarantula and Tormentor with Bad Bunny don't do loads for me. But Ooh. then I think, the, I think the finale, Skinny Ape and Possession Island with Beck, I think are both really, really strong. So I say there's three songs on this that I'm not mad keen on. The rest of it, I think is brilliant. Mm. And I did, yeah, I think I, so. It's really good. Yeah. When, I, when I first listened, so I was just going to say, when I first listened to it, so I was listening to it on Apple Music and I saw that there was an extra track after Possession Island, but it was like greyed out so it wouldn't play. And I was listening to it for the first time. I was like, why would you have another track on this you know that's such a brilliant way to finish the album i think it really puts a nice sort of well, a nice little bow on it really having that quite quiet sort of acoustic-y number uh, nice breathy finale for it and i was like well thank god that other track's not going to play and then i realized apparently that track was an apple music exclusive um so kind of odds that it was the one thing that wouldn't play on the streaming platform that it was sort of <laughs> exclusive to but there we go yeah i mean when you look at the standard edition this album's 37 minutes long not mm. long at all and then no. you get you know like you know you say possession island is officially the last song and you get crocodilas i mean i did listen to the deluxe edition uh, uh okay. which takes up to 53 minutes and 17 seconds and i think actually that is definitely worth doing because there are a few things on it that are brilliant and i think that's sort of those extra five tracks really some of them i think are stronger than some of the stuff on the the the, the top of the album i mean yeah you're right definitely the um the way that damon does a sort of quite a blur centric opening thing i was yeah. like okay this is this is a bit of me and stevie nicks turning up on oil i mean they get good guests on gorillas yeah, yeah, yeah like, they always She's get really really good guests but like they don't use her too much like so it doesn't yeah. she doesn't kind of it's like hey it's a stevie nicks like showcase thing it's not what happens at all um you know i think uh there's a song called silent running which is absolutely mm. brilliant which really reminds yeah, yeah. me of like astronaut era duran duran it's great it's got that kind of classic synth pop feel with a bit more of a modern shiny twist to it and the guy who is guesting on that is someone that i'm not familiar with um yeah. adelaide adelaide, adelaide Omitayo, is it? yeah who's amazing yeah. who's amazing and also turns up on the piano version the 2d piano version which is fucking amazing on those oh, cool. last five tracks the sort of deluxe edition if you get that that is fucking brilliant really really brilliant i mean i think those last the deluxe edition tracks you get a remix of 
you get a 2d piano version of silent running which i think is is the best slow moment i mean you mess, men, mentioned possession island i would swap those two around if i could wow. i mean obviously it's a venture that, that is the best slow moment on the album i think and there's a uh, a dom dollar remix of new gold with tame impala and, and bootle brown which i think is turns it into like a club ready house banger which is cool but um crocodillas with uh de la soul which is obviously the the bonus track that mm. you were you were talking about are just nice to hear de la soul to be honest yeah. especially with the yeah. news recently and mm. you know it was nice to hear de la soul you've got controller with someone called mc bin laden which is you know <laughs> even a, by a even, even by matty healy standards that is uh <laughs> that is quite a bold thing to call yourself uh which i think is cool but captain chicken with dale the, the funky homo sapien um Give it, you know, obviously it makes you think of Clint Eastwood. It's only one minute and 51 seconds long. It is a weird little song, but it's cool. So those bonus tracks, I think, actually add quite a lot to the album. And it, you know, oh, but, but ultimately, if we're looking at this as a 37 and a half minute long 10 track record, like, yeah, I, I think there are some things on those that deluxe edition that maybe, I mean, you mentioned Tormentor with Bad Bunny. Mm. Now, that, that's the, the one bad track i would say because it is just kind of like magaluf holiday and i don't even just mean yeah. because it is sung in spanish i mean it's just got that what you would call love island music yeah I, yeah I i think the thing here is is that bad bunny is is bad right and i know he's popular to say the least oh he's quite <laughs> popular isn't he he was the biggest <laughs> streamed artist on spotify last year i believe so he'll be trying to muscle in on metal come the end of the year definitely then, he's he? probably yeah, yeah. gonna be sucking up to anthrax fans definitely because he needs just <laughs> oh, to not me just, to, just to stay relevant um yeah, yeah. but he's i think he's rubbish bad bunny yeah mm. like, i'm sorry I, I that type of music this kind of latin like you say this kind of like latin fucking cocktails with the girls you know mm. Soho house music is I I don't want to I I just do not like it, so it's weird that that gets on. I mean I get why it gets on, because it's Bad Bunny. He's fucking yeah. massive. I quite like you know, but it's around this period. It's weird because I think it does sound like Gorillas because Tarantula is the first time on the album where Gorillas sound like a kind of cartoony band, and mm. it's always worth remembering that Gorillas are, you know quite a cartoony band and that's sort of part of you know their entire aesthetic is that and mm. yet for the first half of this album that you know like I, I think sometimes you can listen to gorillas and go and uh, over the sort of course of the last decade you sort of forget that they are meant to be like this cartoon boy band that's what they were sort of yeah. created as and i think the second half of this album although i don't quite like it as much i think it is it does sound more like that original idea of gorillas mm, yeah i suppose it probably yeah aesthetically is more representative of what they are maybe i just don't like what gorillas are quite as much as i like them when they are bringing in these guests and utilizing them really well although to be fair i do think the tired influencer which actually i think has more of a plastic beach vibe it's kind of got that sort mm -hmm. of shimmery lilt to it where it feels like you're sort of got the waves lapping at your toes on the shorefront um i think that's really good that would be my favorite track that is just gorillas no or no named guest anyway i'm sure there might be someone in the production credits or something like that but yeah yeah i mean i'm just looking at if we're talking again like let's 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 treat it as a t i think 37 minute 10 track album this is really good i know a few people 
uh, again, I, I often mention what mine and Merlin's conversations are. Merlin of mm. Louder uh, and formerly of Metal Hammer, and he's saying this is one of his favorite albums of the year, which I think is a, which I think is a bit strong if you're going as the via the ten track thing. I think even mm. if you're, I mean, well, we're about to talk about some stuff which I think <laughs> is much better than this. To be perfectly was, honest, but but I think this is a this is a really this is definitely the best Gorillaz album since four. I last cared about them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I couldn't speak to it, but I did see, uh, I believe it was the Independence Review. Um, I saw that the sort of strap line for that was it was their best album since Demon Days. And now I know there are a lot of people who love Plastic Beach dearly, but I mean, I I might prefer this to Plastic Beach myself. Yeah, I think it gets in and gets out a lot quicker, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, is there yeah. anything is, that I like as much as Superfast Jellyfish on this? Probably no, not. But no. overall, I think... This probably is of a consistently higher standard if you just go during Bad Bunny's bit, which is a bit of rubbish. <laughs> it's a bit naffy. Yeah, yeah. Every album has to have the um, fucking Calypso, yeah, bip de boop de Love Island music these days, doesn't it? So, what you don't do? sing gonna do... Bunny, it sounds bad. It does fucking sound bad. Yeah, anyway, Cracker Island by Gorillaz actually came out last week so you probably heard it and are just nodding along in agreement with what we've just said you won't have heard this yet though uh I don't know actually I don't know who you are maybe maybe you're in the band and you're listening <laughs> to our review of it so you will have heard it but anyway Zulu a new tomorrow mm. the debut album from the hotly tipped LA hardcore open brackets oh. question mark close brackets five yeah. piece they're on the front cover of Kerrang! magazine as we sit here recording this review, Sam. Mm. There they are on the front cover of Kerrang! They've also got a 9 out of 10 review in the latest Metal Hammer, which... Oh, I wonder who wrote that. Ooh. I may well have written, spoiler Ooh. alert. So I'm saying they're kind of one of the most exciting hyped bands from the hardcore scene to emerge. Or, well, you know, certainly this year so far, thus far. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But are they worth the hype? Well, you've just Ooh. heard me say I've written a 9 out of 10 <laughs> review of this album. So kind of gives it away, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Basically. Yes. Yes, they uh, are. I am struggling to think of a hardcore band that have sounded this different in a long time. In forever. No pun intended. Oh, there we go. Code, yeah, yeah, code yeah, Orange. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's Turnstile. There's Soul Glow. There's Code Orange. There's lots of bands like that, right? There are a lot of bands like that. You know, you've got the sky-high standards of something like Diaspora Problems by Soul Glow, which we talked about last mm. year, which is an absolutely brilliant record. Fucking oh, brilliant amazing record. amazing album. Yeah, yeah. Which takes kind of punk rock, garage rock, hip-hop, hardcore, little bits of sort of broken electronics and smushes them all together in the most exciting way possible. Mm. And I remember hearing that and going, this feels like something which I haven't really heard done like this before. I think Zulu may well be even more eclectic mm. than any of those bands I've just mentioned. Yeah, quite possibly. Because, um, yeah, like you say, it's kind of hardcore question mark. Because I would say there's also power violence in there. You know, they're kind of even more, you know, ferocious kind of hardcore that they do. But then there's there's soul and there's reggae and there's kind of almost big band stuff going on it's a really interesting disparate mix that i think they pull off absolutely sublimely so um obviously you know steve's giving it a nine out of ten in metal hammer if i was writing that review i think i probably would have given it the same i think this is an astonishingly brilliant debut 
astonishingly brilliant. I'd not really heard Zulu. Um, so I, I was aware of the name and I've just not really got around to checking them out. I know a lot of people were very, very impressed by this uh, Outbreak Festival uh, in 2022. Um, they are there again this year. Uh, I cannot fucking wait having heard this. I have a lot of people wait. saying to me, when I think when we reviewed it, we were like, Zulu, who's that sort of thing? And I, and I yeah, hadn't yeah. heard them at that point. And people were, a lot of people messaged me and went, fuck me you're like you're gonna Get love this band they're amazing yeah, and they were mate. you you were right you absolutely were i mean i think for me um i can't really there is one i think clear highlight for me but it's only it, it's the final track and i think it's only the highlight as a kind of uh, by virtue of it being the final track because it's sort of the the coalescing of everything they do done to a masterful standard but i think something like music to drive by is such a brilliant snapshot of some of the things that Zulu are able to do because it goes from this kind of super heavy, like power violence type thing with, um, I mean, I don't know if anyone else in the band does vocals or if it's just uh, Anaya Lee, but it sounds like two different hardcore singers sort of trading, trading lines with one another. It's absolutely amazing. And then it turns into a soul song by the end. It's like yeah. Nails and Bill Withers fighting for space on one track and as brilliant as you might hope that would be. Yeah, I mean, some of the reference points I've got here for a hardcore, I mean, I, I don't think I have ever written The Renettes and no. Madball <laughs> in the same review. No, I can't imagine that anyone ever has, to be honest. I don't think I've ever written, like, The Stooges and Buju Banton. I mean, I, I, I just don't know how you even try to put this in any kind of genre at all really i mean yes they are a hardcore band but it's almost like you have control of a dial of a radio station with six or seven different genre specific channels all lined mm. up and you're just switching between all six and seven of them i mean there's bits of reggae in this yeah there's bits of hardcore there's bits of garage rock there's bits of power violence. There's bits of pure soul. There's bits of mm. funk. There's bits of hip hop. There is just absolutely all manner of stuff going on in this record. And I mean, it's so eclectic that you almost go, oh, is this Zulu or is like, because sometimes I do think, is this, have they made this or is this, is this a sample of something? Mm. which and i think often some bits are and some bits aren't yeah but but you just go i don't know how you can be so good at doing both of these things <laughs> all of these things yeah absolutely mm. and they do yeah. do it so masterfully i mean you've got something like divine bless there's kind of those noisy accoutrements going on in what is basically a kind of like gnashing breakdown of a song that's the penultimate track that does then give way to uh, When Jar Bless No One Curse, the final song, which I do think is is the high point for me quite clearly. I think having that whammy pedal in amongst those blast beats sounds amazing. It's like a hardcore version of kind of Rage Against the Machine, I guess, with that mm. whammy inflection. Um, but then it, it then does turn itself into this really sort of like mellow expansive clean section to finish it out. And then you kind of have kind a campfire tribal... Well, that Chuck. then comes back in after kind of yeah. a fake out ending. Yeah, I mean, it's astonishing, that song. And I think I think it is so astonishing because it comes in the wake of everything that you've got. And I think, um, it, like you say, they're just so brilliant at everything they do. A song like Shine Eternally, it's like, I, I would never expect 
a hardcore band to be able to write something that is just this beautiful instrumental reggae track. And the fact that you've got an album on which Pierce Jordan from Soul Glow and a fucking amazing firebrand hardcore vocalist appears, and we haven't even mentioned him at this point, I think that says a lot about the quality of what Zulu have put together here. I think this... It's funny that you say that Merle is saying that... um, Cracker Island is one of his favourite releases of the year because I'd say it's my second least favourite thing we're talking about this week. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, like, yeah, it maybe is. Um, yeah. I mean, this is quite something. It's yeah. really, really great. I think if you, you know, I'm just looking through, I'm not going to go through all of my notes. I've made a lot of notes. Oh, a man, lot I've of it just says love, lovely, two-step battering, <laughs> very cool, brutal, 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 smooth as fuck. Oh, this is so weird. I can't believe this is so weird. Um, I must is, have written the word savage about 40 times in my notes. Yeah. Like, I mean, you mentioned, yeah. did you mention Shine Eternity where they just like, yes, they yeah, just yeah. start playing funk? Just like yeah. no fucking, you know, it sounds like something Turnstile might might do, but even smoother. This is the pure soul to the blue-eyed soul of Turnstile. I think they're actually better at doing that maybe than Turnstile are. Like, yeah. And that's a pretty big thing to say when Turnstile are it's so words, beloved. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, just again, going through my notes and just going, oh, I've said Mosdef and Smashing Pumpkins and <laughs> Agnostic Front and Magruder Grind <laughs> and and fucking like Amy Winehouse and do you know what I mean it's like it's it's mad it's fucking mad it's like yeah. legit fucking mad I mean there are bits that you remind me of the specials and there are bits that remind me of sick of it all and there are bits that remind me of like LL Cool J it, it is and it but it, but and it, you just think like I don't know how this all makes sense and I don't know how this all works but it does it actually fucking does it's it, brilliant it really does and i think um the there's quite a palpable mood running through the album as well like i saw um a quote from that uh, the kerrang sort of cover story that they've done where they say you know our music is aggressive but there's a lot of joy in it and i think the first half of the album there is quite a even when it is absolutely battering you i think there's a really warm kind of quite comforting quality to it and then i think basically on the other time uh, when you get to the other side of shine eternally i think the mood does get a bit darker and almost a bit a bit more serious a little bit colder Mm -hmm. and i think the lyrical narrative that runs through it is absolutely superb um and actually shares a shares a trait with another album that we're going to talk about this week where they're talking about um the black experience and how people are very very happy to sort of foist victimhood upon it as its defining characteristic and not kind of explore or celebrate any of the you know rich artistry and culture and resilience and kind of you know the love that comes from it and it's like i think that's a really really cool thing to to talk about generally is talk about it with music that's this adept and does pull from so many disparate influences from across the entire musical diaspora it's amazing absolutely amazing that's you know creme de cassis which is a cool again just a kind of almost like a jazz piano well not even jazz piano but just like a a, a a a quite beautiful piano part i mean you should say as well this album starts with strings like it, it starts yeah, with yeah. like a piano you know, overture with strings yeah like that that specter wall of sound thing with yeah like a piano overture but yeah um creme de, de cassis is basically you know let's just not is a spoken word piece going can we not just make this only about pain and suffering why mm. must i only struggle like it's really explicit in in, yeah. in what this is about and it's not just a you know it's not it's not rage against the machine i mean i did actually compare it to rage against the machine 
and I think that is an apt comparison in a lot of ways because I think mm. it's just so, you know, sonically revolutionary in the same way as Rage Against the Machine were. Yeah. And it yeah. is fueled probably by a lot of the similar experiences and a lot of similar things as Rage Against the Machine. But I don't think it delivers... It, it does often, you know, I think yeah, it doesn't completely deliver the same message. Well, it doesn't deliver the same message all the way through. Not that no. I'm saying Rage Against Machine are, you know, one note or one paste or, you know, don't have any, you know, as we discussed when we did the Evil Empire. Um, I would say I would say the distinction for me there would be, though, um, that I think that they both draw, you know, from political ideas, but I think that Zulu's politics is about the personal, whereas um, Rage's is about the external. I think that's more about kind of the, the politics of the world around you, whereas this is the politics of the world in which you live. The, mm. in, in your own world and I, th I think that's really a really interesting um kind of point of view to put across on an album like this and it's something we see in hardcore kind of more generally you know i think ithaca um right from a really interesting perspective of um uh sort of female perspective and people of color's perspective i think zulu fit into that mold but this album is just it's stonking i would love to see an ithaca zulu show co-headliner whatever i think that would be a great fucking great night out i agree yeah. i agree i mean this is a great record in so many really unique unique ways it is a great record and i think there is really no excuse for you listening to not listen to this record there is absolutely no excuse whatsoever yeah. it's called a new tomorrow it's by zulu and as we leave that record we don't really go too far down a different rabbit hole because the next album I want to talk about is Shook by Algiers, the mm -hmm. Atlanta band Atlanta, and at oh, go on, you can do Atlanta, it. not there Atlanta. That's in Italy. Atlanta, Atlantis. Yeah, Atlanta, yeah. yeah, the <laughs> vision of Atlantis. Uh, the Atlanta band's fourth full-length album, the follow-up to their 2020 effort. There is no year. Um, this record sounds good on paper <laughs> before mm. you even hear a note of it Mate. because it has <laughs> an amazing amount of guests that are just mouthwatering to look at, let alone listen to. Backwash, Billy Woods, DeForest Brown, lots of others, but most impressively and for me, most excitingly, having just mentioned them, Zach De La Rocha, he of uh, <sighs> recently politically motivated band Radiance Machine, who've just got into politics. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, lots yeah. of done it, Donald Trump fans. Um, I, I, was, I was aware of the name of this band, mm. but I wasn't really familiar with any of their music at all. I just Ooh. heard the name. Uh, and what we've just said about Zulu, we put Zulu first because it is coming out today and this has been out a week this um this Algiers album in terms of which one of these two albums is better it's not even really uh, uh, i mean they're weirdly they're very comparable yeah in a lot of ways yeah. they're incredibly comparable um if zulu's a nine out of ten i think this might be a ten out of ten yeah I, it's between this and Young Fathers for album of the year at the moment for me. I think this Algiers album is <laughs> unbelievable. I think, I, I think I love the Young Fathers album. I think this is significantly better than the Young Fathers album. And when I go Ooh, back okay. and I said, oh, my favourite thing of the year so far is um, 
uh, Velvet Negroni, which is great. That album, I thought that album mm. was really, really good. And I was like, "This is you did really album. like it." Yeah, and in the first month of the year, you often hear things and go, "Oh, well, that's mm. that's the bar." I mean, that has been leapt over by pff, at least three albums since that. And I think the the one that's leapt the highest for me is this record. I yeah. think this is fucking astonishingly brilliant. Like it really, really absolutely is. brilliant. I mean, the thing is, like Zulu's album is a debut, so mm. factor that in. Like that, there's yes, very little between this band's fourth album and the debut album by Zulu. But I think just that little extra bit of experience and that little bit of nous and that little extra bit of something that these that, that this band has, and it is a slightly different thing as well. But this is fucking incredible. This is fucking incredible. This record. Yep. Um, so a friend of mine told me about this. He said, oh, mate, you should listen to the, the new album from Algiers. And I was like, oh, I've, I've heard the name. I've never heard them. And yeah, like you say, before I even put it on, I was like, fucking hell, they got Zach on the second track. And then I saw um, Bite Back, which features both Billy Woods and Backwash. And I thought, well, that's as Stephen Hill as you can get, can't you? Um, so I thought, yeah, let's have a listen to this. Um, but mate, I mean, everybody shatter. What a way to open your album absolutely amazing it's a fantastic sort of funky dance track got intri- really intricate percussion um beautiful bass guitar and i think big rube's guest appearance on that is just absolutely wonderful it's such a good kind of vocal texture to have his quite gravelly cadence against the real smooth um vocals that i'm gonna guess it's franklin james fisher who's doing lead vocals on that track because i mean looking at the band and kind of um they're sort of assigned credits on this album. I mean, they all do a bit of everything. I, I believe he's the lead vocalist, but they all do a significant amount of vocals. But I think everybody shatter that just that chorus hook of we we shout out with all the gang vocals going on. Yeah. It fucking brilliant. It hasn't left my head since I first heard it. And then irreversible damage with Zach. So you've got that first song, quite approachable, quite palatable. And I thought, ah, is this kind of broadly what the album's going to be? Oh, we'll see. And then irreversible damage comes in and it is so threatening with that kind of like dark wave electronic throb, the racing synths underneath. Wiry guitars that, to me, they're, well, really, really harsh. I mean, there's there's an extreme metal album we're going to be talking about today. And I think this, this song is heavier than anything on that because it is so just stalking and hulking and really terrible. Sounds like an evil version of the Night Rider theme tune, I think. <laughs> I suppose it probably does. Um <laughs> but then you don't get that kind of elegiac choral performance on the Night Rider theme and you also don't no. get Zach Della Rocca going so hard and absolutely seething. Absolutely seething. But for me, mate, I mean I think Song of the Year so far is bite back with Billy Woods and Backwash. I think starting with that kind of growing, quite muted synth refrain, and then those orchestral synth stabs that really just cut through, and they're so vibrant and technicolor, but again, really imposing and really threatening. And the way it just rumbles up to Billy Woods coming in, and then the track keeps building so that when Backwash comes in with her um, her vocals, it doesn't feel like a weird disparity. It It's earned that real harshness. I think that is an unbelievably unbelievably masterfully dynamic piece of work i think it is that is my favorite song i've heard this year i think it's yeah fucking amazing. I, but then my notes say fuck yeah. me this is the best song of the year no doubt yeah. that's yeah. what i've got it this sounds like is. nine inch nails doing late 80s funk 
and again, like, I mean, I was going to say that like, Zach De La Rocha is fucking amazing on yeah, irreversible yeah, damage. Yeah. Fucking amazing. He never misses, you know. And I think also you, we want to mention that there's this kind of Eastern-tinged freak out at the end just from yeah. nowhere. You go, oh, okay, fuck me. Like, again, just as surprising as the Zulu album. And you're right, like, open track's amazing. I think we're we're in a place where this this record is great. I mean, you get like 73% which is a, a garage rock song like it's heavy yeah. you know this yeah, is yeah. this fucking nola sort of jazzy soul thing all the way through i mean that reminds me of like you remember high road a hero high road a hero did an album with mm. ross robinson which i thought was really really good had members of like out the driving and jet plane jet plane landing as his backing band and it was fucking excellent and you know it's it's great and they go from that into this kind of delta blues hip-hop thing but when bite back comes in mate it is just like nine inch nails doing 80s funk with the pair of them like potentially giving it a better performance than Zach Della Rocha. Yeah. And when the hook comes in, that chorus hook is fucking unbelievable. I mean, that song, we're going to be talking about the length of songs in a minute, I think. <laughs> yes. It's six minutes long, that song. Mm. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't sound like it's six minutes long. It just feels like you want to be there forever. It's so, so great. Yeah, it's it's amazing. But that's it's you know that song comes quite early on in the album. But that's not to say that it sort of dips in quality at all. Like as as Steve has said, and I I agree. I think this is a ten out of ten album. I think this is absolutely unreal. I think the other massive high point for me would probably be um, I can't stand it with Samuel T. Herring and Jay Matthews. I think going for just an overtly and kind of quite approachably conventional i suppose well in terms of algiers conventional soul track the vocal performances um on that are amazing and samuel t herring in particular i think he's just gorgeous vocal um carry it's got so much fragility and strength in it simultaneously and this this obviously was the album that i was referencing when we were talking about zulu this is another album that um deals with the kind of misrepresentation of black culture and that kind of assigning victimhood and i think it again does it beautifully i think that song in particular just hits the nail on the head of that as a theme um along with um an echophonic soul uh which is a kind of spoken word piece from deforest brown um over quite a sort of ambient kind of drawling like synthesizer bits but i i think it's mm. Brilliant. Oh, and actually, sorry, I would also like to mention Cold World with uh, Nadal El Shazli. I think her vocals are beautiful. Those ethereal vocals over quite a fractured sort of break in the song. That's another. I mean, every, every track on it's superb. This is just front to back. Incredible. 55 yeah. minutes and I, I want more. Right. Yeah. Usually I, I, when I saw the track, the number of tracks and the album length, I was like, is it going to run out of puff? But no, I want this album to be long. I want it to be twice as long as The Fragile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wouldn't, it would still have me, I think. I mean, there is so much, I mean, I would I would agree, like, you know, I Can't Stand It is amazing. Beautiful. Um, you know, I think like in terms of, again, like tying the two albums with the one we're speaking about and the one we've just spoken about, A Good Man, it sounds like Black Flag. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, sounds like it fucking does, Black yeah, Flag. Yeah. It's scratchy and heavy. And I think that links it more closely to Zulu. Zulu is a, a more overtly heavy, extreme sounding record yes. overall. But this, but I think this sits in sort of just as many places. It does go to heavy places, probably not quite as heavy, but it still goes to a lot of other places. I mean, 
for as great as Zulu are, Cold World, I mean, I don't right. think yeah. I don't think Zulu push it as far as like you know um, the kind of Michael Kiwanuka goes electro pop. Like, do you know what I mean? Like Gary Newman meets Michael Kiwanuka with you know like Nine Inch Nails chimes and this fucking incredible crescendo. And like I say, I can't stand it. I was like, this is like if Massive Attack were fronted by Sam Cooke and they, <laughs> that, were from, yeah. they were from new orleans do you know what i mean it is fucking it is fucking great it is Spot fucking on. great you got these like you know green iris with that stand-up bass and that piano and again it does feel like you're sitting in you can almost feel the like you can feel the sort of the heat you know the oppressive heat of the swamp of the bayou and all that kind of stuff like it like it, it feels it and then it but yeah it still has these weird kind of modern electronics absolutely brilliant song um and then yeah like you say like there's just nothing on here which isn't brilliant there's no. nothing on here which isn't p pretty much perfect it's fucking great this year uh, this this record and you know there is a reason that I stuck them back to back. I probably should have put them above gorillas really, but I just thought gorillas well, is a big one. Get it out of the way. But yeah, I think both, if you listen to one of these, you have to listen to the other. I think if you listen to Zulu, you will, and, and you love it. You'll have to listen to Algiers. If you've already listened to Algiers and you think you don't need to listen to Zulu, I think I can't imagine how that Venn diagram isn't just a circle. Yeah. There, there is. Yeah. It's such a perfect kind of companion pieces to one another. I think. Yeah really really strong and the idea that and if you don't like one you probably won't like the other and if you don't like one and you don't like the other i think you want to you have a word with yourself stop mate. moaning about lizzo covering ramstein on the internet <laughs> definitely definitely um yeah just listen to listen to both of them they're both absolutely incredible albums um yeah we'll, we'll be we'll be talking about them again in what yeah. nine months time i think is it already bloody nine months? I've got to start thinking about that. It's March, That's, mate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want your top 20 on my desk by Monday morning, Steve. I know. I'm, I'm not even joking. It is actually five months until I have to give it in for Metal Hammer, I think. Yeah, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Hold yeah. on. Is it April, May, June, July? Or, oh, no, not August. September. Yeah, it's like six months. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Get cracking. I've got a top three. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Shook by Algiers is out now go listen to that as is just coming out this week suffocating suffocating fucking sucking suffocating suckatash uh no suffocating hallucination by full of hell and primitive man a split ep from two of the most innovative and unique extreme bands in heavy music right now now i, I have long spoken uh about how great the the ep medium can be in the sphere of heavy music burnt by the sun self-titled four track ep six minutes long yes that's what i'm talking about sam mm. that's what i'm talking about Irony's we were dead also scene. that's the one mate that's the one. irony is dead scene yes of course and we were very positive about that split between end and cult leader last year i believe yeah. that was the final ever episode of riot act where we just <laughs> slagged off loads of metal <laughs> loads of metal then, yeah yeah and then uh we're quite nice about that ep hey, we were with something else was good that uh saboteur was the one you really, really liked. Yeah, 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 that is good. That, that is good. But I think we were most nice about that end and cult leader EP. So I was thinking that would be good, wouldn't it? Full of hell, primitive man. Those are the sort of bands that will do something 
that I want from these sort of EPs. Short, sharp, punchy, things that don't outstay their welcome. And I think when you look at, you know, Full of Hell in particular, that is something which they have a history of doing. You know, they don't, they're a, they're a grindcore band and grindcore mm. is short, sharp, sweet, punchy. But they're also a grindcore band with far more than just full-blown 100% billion miles an hour let's blast the shit out of everyone continually and then get the fuck out of town they've got more going on so i actually quite quite high hopes for this ep to be honest yeah, Sam. how I about like you uh i was very very excited for this as a fan a ma- well i wouldn't say massive fan of full of hell just because i haven't heard everything they've done because they release so much material too much not too, too much, much. <laughs> well too much to keep track of not too much because yeah. i think they maintain a high quality all the way through and then with I, I really like primitive man as well i like my sludge i like grisly guitar tones um i'm not so keen on funeral doom generally but primitive man can get away with it for me because they do it with such muscular ferocity i uh, dispute this being a split ep steve because i was pretty sure this was one of their collaboration albums a la full of helen mersbo and the albums they did with the body because I don't mm. hear a defined split in terms of what's happening here. There's one track on it. There's Bludgeon that is, yeah. well, it's 26 seconds. And that's a full of hell song. But all the rest of it sounds like the two bands working in tandem. And I've got a nasty suspicion you're about to say you think this is rubbish. Correct. Uh, I do think this is rubbish. I think this is a massive waste of time, to be perfectly honest. I think Aww. the first song is 10 minutes of slow feedback drenched noise i don't think it goes anywhere i think it could have been a quarter of the length i think it's a fairly unremarkable start to the ep but then i don't really like listening to long slow dirgy doom riffs when i think that that song is how long is it nine minutes and 53 seconds it's only 20 seconds 20 seconds longer than people hold on by cold yes. cut featuring lisa stansfield and i would say it is 40 times less enjoyable it is not doing anything nothing and then rubby rubble home starts with some clean guitars and i was like mm. okay looks like we're gonna get a little bit of dynamics here and i'm immediately more taken with it and it is still a six minute plus runtime which still feels quite long in my head when I'm looking at a Full of Hell song or a song in, in, with Full of Hell. Mm. But then it's just this slow, endless riff. And the thing is, is that I just don't get it. I just think at this point, I'm like, I don't get it. Especially when it goes into Bludgeon, which is 26 seconds long. And yes, there's nothing original or unique about Bludgeon. It is basically the same approach that they've been taking, except it's sped up to a million miles an hour. But that's much more exciting. Than just ram, 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 ram for fucking ever. Mm. I think this is actually. <sighs> Look, the thing is, I don't want to go. Oh, I could play that, so it's not very good or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But I do feel like, I know it's all about feel. But if you don't feel anything from it, and I don't feel anything from this, mm. then I, I just don't see the point. That's totally fair enough, man. I mean, I will say uh, this is definitely in the bottom half of what we're reviewing this week. I mean, I'd say this is... Mm, I was going to say, I think I prefer it to play, uh, Gorillaz, but I definitely don't. I know which one I'd rather put on again. But I do I do like this. I think it's a weaker bit of output from Full of Hell, especially how they've been recently. I mean, I didn't think um, Garden of Burning Apparitions as a straight Full of Hell album was as strong as the two that preceded it, because I think Trumpeting no, Ecstasy and Weeping Quiet are definitely the best ones they've done. 
But I do like this, and I think I like this purely because of Full of Hell, and not just because their names on it, but I think because of what they bring to it. Because I, I have a very low tolerance for Drone and Sludge and stuff like that. I think there are a few bands that I really like. Divide and Dissolve, I think, come to mind. I really, really liked Gaslit when it came out. There are some Sun albums that I do enjoy. I don't put them on for fun, but I'll put them on in the background and just kind of have them as ambience, which I think, you know, if you're not seeing them live, is basically what they're meant to be. Um, I think were it not for what Full of Hell do with their kind of scant, noisy, scabrous, electronic experimentation, this would be... I, I would be in the same boat as you, where I think this is really, really boring. I mean, I'll be honest, this is not something I'm going to go back to readily, because, I mean, you know, you were talking about um, Trepanation for Future Joys, which is longer than the... Um, longer than people hold on. It's still not the longest track on this album. The final track uh, is just shy of 12 minutes, if I remember rightly. Um, For me, it it, it does give me enough of what I want from doomy extreme music and that is really grisly throughout. um, And it's because of that electronic experimentation, it has that claustrophobic ambience and that threat to it. So like, it does feel quite void-like and it is terrifying at times. I don't think it's great, but I do like it. I think if this were a Primitive Man album, though, it'd be a, a different story because I think it is basically what Full of Hell bring to it that entices me. But yeah, I'm not going to listen to it in full can, ever Can I again. just say as well, even Primitive Hell, who I am less interested in as a band than Primitive I am. Man, not Primitive, Primitive Man. Primitive Man, sorry, Primitive <laughs> Hell. Sorry. Primitive <laughs> Hell, that's what they should have called this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what oh, a funny great. story. Um, <laughs> even Primitive Man, who I am less interested in than Full of Hell, just generally mm-hmm. as a rule. Not yes. As, not, not as a rule, but as, you know, like I, I you know, Full of Hell have got Trumpet and Ecstasy, Weeping Choir in particular are both albums that I think are absolutely fucking brilliant. Like, yes. absolutely fucking brilliant. I mean, I think Sister Fawn as well is really good. Like, I think mm. that is really good. And I remember listening to Roots of uh, whatever that one's called, that one that came yeah. out like 10 I remember getting sent that, you know, very, very early on when I first started getting promos and stuff and i listened to that quite a lot um and i think that's that's good as well but i think they they got to a point where they were like really 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 good um so i do really like full of hell primitive man i think are are you know are are pretty good for a band you know for the sort of thing which i'm not like mad super duper duper mad keen on but um even they don't tend to stretch a lot of their material i mean i think the album we reviewed in 2020 i remember reviewing that one there's in 2020 and thinking like you know this is most it's pretty good there's nothing like you know they've got six seven maybe eight minute long songs in there mm. they didn't tend to stretch all the way out to kind of nine nearly 12 minutes long and you know i people go like oh if, if long music and long albums and stuff they're not bad you just have commitment issues or something like, or like oh you can't handle that you know you just got a bad attention span it's like no 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 a song can be 45 minutes long mm. if it's great do you know what i mean a song could be as any length that any song can be if it's a great song people hold on to go back to it could be that that remix doing that you could do that for twice the length i think and they think it would still feel fun and enjoyable and you, would, you wouldn't get bored of it because it's just really, really catchy and really great, right? If you're just playing a riff and it's just loads of feedback and just drenched in... Like, ah, I don't really find that... I f- 
it, it's interesting and it's the, the kind of the the nihilism of it is only interesting for a finite amount of time okay. that's not that, being that like is fair. Yeah, yeah i don't think that's being like oh you don't have a very long attention span i don't think that's what that is that's no. not about your attention span that's about looking at something and going you don't need to be yeah i get it i get it right I, and this is not this is not any heavier because it's 11 minutes long it was no. heavy after six minutes and it's the same amount of heavy. It's just more boring. It's just nothing's happened. And I do think, like, I hate to be like, oh, nothing happened. But, you know, I mean, particularly, like, Dwindling Will, which is six minutes, mm. it's absolutely pointless. It's absolutely pointless. That could be, you know, if that was two minutes, you'd go, oh, okay, yeah, it's a little kind of weird, echoey, like, creepy it's just thing. ambient noise, that one, isn't it? It just is, yeah. Absolute waste of time absolutely waste of time. Yeah, yeah. just a fucking dirge i think this is um i think this is a bit rubbish to be honest so next album should be full of hell and primitive man and lisa stansfield i think is what we've featuring lisa stansfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, and, and lisa, not featuring she'll be a contrib- contributing artist as well i think genuinely think lisa stansfield would have improved this record <laughs> fair enough mate fair enough because she would have gone uh, where's the where's the hook? A hook, maybe a melody, <laughs> like something. And I know, like music doesn't have to be about hooks and melodies. But I think if you know, like, let's have something. I mean, I don't tell you on this. I may have listened to one of the biggest releases of the year recently, and I think Ooh. you know, dynamics in sort of heavy music need to. Be, are really necessary i think they're really necessary they are definitely you can't just go like thump 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 or for ages yeah (sighs) it's just not interesting this is just not interesting to me sorry anyway you like it do you i like it i don't think it's amazing but i do like it i'd say if you like noisy horrible shit you'll like it for a bit Mm -hmm. so yeah it's not no atomizer is it no definitely not definitely not that's got songs you took the words right out of my mouth sam that has got <laughs> songs uh okay anyway uh full of hell and primitive man suffocating succotash no it's not it's not called that it's called suffocating hallucination is out now let's move on and talk about food for worms by shame the third album from the uk post-punk band mm. open brackets question mark close brackets the follow-up to their 2021 album this side of the sign which i'd never heard of before if i'm being completely honest in fact i don't really know much about shame as a, a band at all to be perfectly honest this was your idea sam this is on your head on your head be it you decided that we should do this i suggested oh if he goes back on that he's weak <laughs> admits it admits it well i'm glad that i suggested it because yeah. well you're definitely going to prefer it to full of hell and primitive man but also yeah. i think you're you would really really like this album on paper stephen hill i don't know how we're gonna how you got on with the execution but mm-hmm. i mean it opens you know post-punk question it does mark. open Ooh, yeah i mean that, that's does an open, imp- yeah. important thing for most records to do i would say to open not not all of them do it though some of them just don't start that's true that's true but like, like the last this, one uh yeah, yeah. go on <laughs> Well, go on. So this one, post-punk, is it? Mm, maybe. Kind of. It opens with basically a Brit rock feeling song, doesn't it? It's a song that could have been played at Nebworth in the 90s in Fingers of Steel. It's got a massive sing-along chorus, got a big sway to it. 
it's a bit of you. It's not a bit of me, to be honest, but I did quite like it. I do quite like that bit. I think when it gets to six-pack and it goes proper funky by way of prog rock guitar as a sort of wah guitar freak out, I was thinking, mm-hmm. ooh, bit of, is that deep purple I hear in there? And it's like, ah, oh, this album's going to be a bit different to what I expected because I thought that Shame's reputation was basically they were sort of on the noisier underground end of the post-punk revival. So where you've got, you know, your Idols and your Fontaine's DC, this was going to be sort of a bit more scuzzy, a bit more grimy, maybe. But it's not. And then it also is at times. I think in terms of approach, I think this is a bit like fucked up because I think it takes from so lots of disparate elements. I think there's a bit of flaming lips in some of this. I think a song like Adderall is flaming whips by way of Oasis kind of lights in the air kind of Adderall's thing. Adderall's really good. Adderall is brilliant. I'm sure you can guess what my favourite track is though. My favourite track is The Fall of Paul, um, which comes after Orchid, which I think is a really, really nice kind of sweet acoustic ballad track. Uh, quite morose, sort of baritone vocal delivery. And then, and then we get The Fall of Paul. We get noise rock with sludge riffs. Yeah, we, we get noise rock with sludge riffs. Mm. That's what I want, isn't it? It's um, It goes like the clappers. It's my favourite track on the album because it's angular post-punk being played by Unsane or Big Black. I think it's brilliant. But I, th- I think this album's really strong indeed. What are you saying, Steve? I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I think there's a few things that set Shame apart, which I quite like, right? So basically, initially, I thought, well, this does sit... So it's got a bit of post-punk. So it sort of sits somewhere between Britpop and the post-punk stuff you're talking about, the, the sort of modern post-punk. So it's sort of like idol, the, the Venn diagram in the middle of Idols and the Stone Roses, right? So yes. Fingers Are Still sounds like a sort of deranged indie band. I quite like that. Mm-hmm. Happy with that. The second song, like you mentioned, Six Pack, pure John Squire, but with the bloke from Squid on vocals. So it's like, <laughs> yes. uh, it's like the Stone Roses on... Um, on acid. Like oh. taking away their ecstasy and replacing it with cocaine. I would say, uh, and probably like Jaeger bombs and stuff as well. It is like really, really yeah, Larry. But I think actually, and I was sort of going, yeah, you know, like it never gets quite as, um, it never gets quite as melodic as a band like the Stone Roses or I don't know, maybe, um, but primal scream it never gets as anthe- it never gets as anthemic as the sort of 90s stuff that it's talking about like it never goes to a kind of quite to sort of arctic monkeys even my bloody valentine primal scream sort of stuff but it also never hits really really hits as hard as a black midi or a idols i don't think either mm. but what it does do that i think is really cool is it's one of the few bands apart from Black Midi, I suppose, who, with their Primus influences. They're one of the few bands from this scene in Britain who actively seem to be interested in US indie bands from this period. So I think you mentioned um, The Fall of, of Paul, which mm. does go for that kind of sonic youth thing, which I think is is really cool. Yes. Um, you know, I know obviously Black Country New Road got compared to Slint a lot on that first record, and I can see that. But like, you know, there are the odd exception here and there but i think most of those bands don't seem to be massively influenced by u.s music and i think this feels like it is even though it's very british sounding mm. uh yankees reminds me of dinosaur juniors or pixies dinosaur juniors <laughs> plural dinosaur junior just the one or pixies yeah. just the one dinosaur junior and 
you know, Alibis has got a similar sort of thing in it as well. I think, you know, Orchid goes for that folksy sort of thing, which is maybe more towards Daniel Johnston than it is towards Nick Drake. And, you know, th- th- all the people sounds like early emo. It sounds like Rites of Spring or something. I quite <laughs> liked it. I mean, I don't think it's up to the standard of the, the best of that, but I, th- I think the chorus is really good. But it yes. is, by design, hilariously out of tune. Like really, like some of this is like spectacularly clanging and rubbery and like different person. I really, really like that as well. That has got that kind of post-hardcore. It's not even post-punk really. It's post-hardcore clanging and it's got that kind of weird rubbery thing. It's almost like, you know, a Fugazi-esque approach to that. So I think, I don't think it's quite as good as any of the bands that I've just mentioned no, I mean, but you are mentioning, you know, Fugazi, Fugazi and, sorry, you know, some of the best bands ever, Virginia, yeah, yeah. Pixies, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think it's as good as any of them. And actually, I'm not even entirely sure that it's as good as Black Country New Road or Idols at their best or no. Black no. Midi either. And I don't think they get quite as heavy as some of those bands that are heaviest. They definitely don't get as anthemic as the more British uh, influences they have, the kind of creation records stuff but i think this is good i think this is good i don't think all i I think you know what i like about it is it feels like it's full of ideas that not everyone is pulling from from this particular scene so it it's not it's not a unique idea to go let's take sonic youth arctic monkeys and john squire's guitar playing and let's play a kind of joy division version of that that's not all those things are bands that are they're all massively influential bands but Mm. i've never heard it kind of put together in those pieces kind of spliced together in this way so i think that is really cool i think the idea of all of this is really really cool i don't quite think they smash it out of the park in terms of songwriting all the time there are some great songs in it i mean i think yankees is brilliant i think fall of paul you mentioned is great i think adderall is great i think different person Mm. is great as well there are some really good songs in it. It's not like uh, it's not incredible by the standards of what we've been talking about today. Oh no, Zulus no, no. and Algiers. I think it is somewhat. It is. It's below that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's probably even below the Gorillas album for me as well. But it's good. Uh, it is good. I would say I prefer this to Gorillas, but slightly. I'd say they. If we're saying you know Zulus and I and Algiers is ten, I'd say that this and Gorillas sit in sevens for me. I'd say this is. I I ever so slightly prefer this to Gorillas personally. Okay. Yeah, yeah I give I, yeah. I give it a seven. This is a seven. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's quite clearly, you know, as as you say, I think it's got a lot mm. of good ideas that not necessarily they don't all land, but I I like the approach and I do like I, I think I like that deliberately out of tune thing because it is just a bit lackadaisical, you know, it's a bit slacker, and I quite like that, especially when they can actually play as well. It's not just mm. kind of like rip off 90s college rock kind of thing like I, I i think this is good i like this evidently um i'd be interested to see where they go next um i will check out their previous two albums but i wonder if they're maybe a little less kind of refined than this one and i don't know if i need that if they are so yeah we'll i see. think third album as well makes me go uh, you know and uh, when you like put high vis yeah like blend fair. blending by high vis next to this and i think like you go well they're clearly a much more they're a better band they are yeah i sound like an arsehole saying that but like um i I think they are better personally Mm, um but this is good you know like i think idea wise it's it's good it's got a lot of stuff that i liked about it um 
we'll see we'll see what happens to them next anyway that's food for worms by shame we got one more album to tackle sam mm. before we head off into the distance and it's let her burn by rebecca black now this actually came out at the start of february so about a month ago just under a month ago it is the debut studio album from the american singer-songwriter rebecca black self-released on the 9th of february 2023 now rebecca black has released quite a few singles since she became something of an internet sensation back in 2011 she's released mm. a lot of stuff but this is her first full-length album so you if you only know one thing about rebecca black it probably is the song friday from 2011 yes. which yes. like i say became something of a meme it was all a little bit strange to see the world shit on a young girl yeah. for <laughs> releasing a, a, a not particularly great pop song yeah i mean it's funny i was having a little look at uh the wikipedia entry for friday and you know there were masses and masses of articles going oh is this the worst song ever it's like no you should be listening to true crap pop if you want to hear really bad music like Big friday time. yeah friday is just a bad song but it's not like appalling it's not abhorrent it's not awful it's just deeply deeply misguided and i think the problem with that song to be honest is that um that older fella doing the rap that's the worst bit because that's just yeah. really uncomfortable it's like it that, it's just other than that it's like what are anything... you doing here mate what are you doing here <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah but other than that i mean it's just it's just like a disney channel song isn't it it's yeah it's it's of the same quality as the high school musical soundtracks it's just not very good you know i don't think there'd be any kind of backlash if that got re released today i don't think anyone would even bat a fucking eyelid and i don't nah. think even because we i mean we get we recently did uh, we were talking about 2015 emotion by kylie ray jepson that's a forthcoming patron uh podcast that we that we did kylie ray jepson similar sort of thing well not, mm. it's not a similar sort of thing but i think you know kylie ray jepson not a million miles away from rebecca black in terms of where she initially came from and kind of changed a lot of people's opinions as to what pop music could be and uh. rebecca black is is really interesting because you know that's 2011 we're, we're 12 years down the line now so she's a grown woman at this point and we're getting her more grown up mature and evolved version of herself on this record which mm. really bears absolutely no relation to the song that she is best known for nope. and she's become something of a sort of cult hero and i guess like I, I don't know if anyone has actually used the terminology outsider art for rebecca black and friday at all i'm sure someone has somewhere but i yeah, think there's definitely that that kind of idea that she is maybe somehow linked to that because it was just like oh here's this person doing this thing which is not very good but really really earnestly which appears to be what you know, like a lot of outsider art is yeah, essentially yeah. boiled down to its you know um it's sort of base level and so i kind of went into this and i was thinking oh yeah we should we should do this because she's obviously changed quite a lot and what we've got here is it's uh, not quite bizarre yeah. yeah i mean it's again like so i've had my complaints about hyper pop as a sort of terminology quite a lot and i my problem has always been which seems to be what people like about it is that hyper pop doesn't really give you the thing that pop is mm. sort of designed to give you which is you know big hooks and choruses and classic sounding huge songs songs that you and like yeah songs that you like and i think you know for me or like rena sawiyama initially got kind of called hyper pop 
hyperpop a bit. And I think this album is not a million miles away from from what Rena does. I don't think it's continually over the sim of the of the quality of Rena all the way through. But I think she's doing that kind of thing, and that for me is a pretty fucking big compliment, Sam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so for starters, I'm glad that you did reference uh, Kylie Jepsen's emotion because I think there is uh, definitely a shared DNA with this album. Um, I think you particularly get that when you get to, um, especially the song Performer that finishes the, or closes the album, uh, which has got acoustic guitar breaks, some real pop divisms from Rebecca Black. I think she sounds amazing on this. Her voice, I think, mm. is really, really good. She's able to do that kind of breathy falsetto and then do a slightly more powerful, emotional thing when she needs to. There's this weird kind of cacophonous layering of um, instrument tracks, though, on that that does make it a bit more obscure than just a sort of acoustic poppy ballad or anything. And it's in that song, particularly, the way it finishes, where it's like, it's a, almost a strange concept album of a kind of a fractured mind sort of fragmenting and splintering and falling apart. I'm talking about kind of how all these multiple personalities that Rebecca Black has to sort of wear as clothes as a performer are all just in this like deep emotional anguish. And it's like, I didn't expect this album to be this dark and this good. I think for me that, so the first song, Erase You, I think sits in what I would have broadly expected, which is a kind of, quite sort of muted version of a technical 80s sort of dance pop track that's fine yeah. and mm-hmm. then you get destroy me now steve we were talking about uh how 100 reasons coming back with an amazing album was the biggest surprise of 2023 did you expect there to be gent riffs on a rebecca black album did you expect rebecca black to be better at being sleep token than sleep token in 2023 did, did, did i expect rebecca black to sound a song on a rebecca black album to sound like eyeless by slipknot being fronted by <laughs> kylie ray jepson no not really no no, probably not. no i didn't expect that yeah. no i mean this is like fucking this is what baby metal have forgotten how to do isn't it yeah uh, it's right this brilliant is pop really, hooks over heavy metal yeah yeah like you know it's got a bit of drum and bass on it as well which yeah. is massive i mean it's an absolute banger i think like you know that's some of you might go oh i kind of switch off a bit when you do the pop stuff i would listen to destroy me because it is fucking massive it is a banger and that is mm. a fuck off big riff on it as well that yeah, is that- a great riff massive Great elastic down tuned proper like i wouldn't say it's sort of sugar gent because it doesn't have that kind of weird organic mechanical hybrid to it but yeah sleep token i would hear using that riff. i could yeah. imagine that being in uh, a periphery song somewhere as well i think it's it's really really strong um and then lyrically that one i think does have what we would what we were talking about spoiler for the patron so you better sign up so you can actually hear it properly but that kind of bittersweet sugar-coated pill thing that you get on emotion and on after laughter but here it has got the kind of i suppose yeah erratic hyperpop sensibility of chucking in heavy metal um i mean i also didn't expect there to be a kind of like industrial breakdown at the end of some of these songs i mean crumbs no like crumbs is just all all over the place in a really satisfying scattershot industrial manner that is like apex twin yeah and it, musically like it, it goes for you know, we were talking about Window Licker a few weeks ago. And Window Licker's mm. a weird horror. Although it's really catchy, it's a weird, horrible kind of melted, mutated, pieced together, fucked up song. Again, like the Fragile, you know, deliberately using out of tune instruments on the Fragile, mm. as we spoke about on our special of the Fragile. And Crumbs does that. It's a, like, it's a horrible, it's got very, very little to do with 
pop music. No, there's very kind little of, to do with actual pop music at all. There's that kind of club ready skeleton to it that is then just covered in yeah quite sort of harsh noise that kind of ebbs and like peeks through every now and then i mean it, I, I, I i'm speechless i did not expect a rebecca black album to be giving me kind of visions of yeah apex twin and and periphery and uh, fucking i don't know like trying to think of dark side of the moon talking about mm. insanity and this kind of fractured mind it's like i had no idea it was going to be like this and the thing is we're laughing through it but it's it's not laughing at the album definitely not laughing at rebecca black it's just disbelief yeah it's, re- could, it's very I never very good seen this coming. i think you know and she can do just straight pop as well i think the thing is that you know for me when people talk about like hyper pop or you know even outsider art or whatever i'm always like well that's all well and good but I would like to know that the person is at least ca- like just maybe just doesn't want to do the typical yeah. normal yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But I would like to know that they're capable because I think that is kind of one of the hardest things to do. And you get sick to my stomach, and it sounds like Janet Jackson, mm. and it's like she <laughs> sounds like Janet Jackson. I think it's fucking great. It's very yeah. shiny. It's very instant. It's great. Um, for me, the best song on the album is "What Am I Going to Do with You," which is basically oh, like yes. Gary Newman meets Poppy, and I. This is the shit I like. It is massive hooks, that kind of weird robotic detached vocal, big slabs of electro rock. Rebecca Black basically doing garbage for 2023. Like, you know, this sounds like what Shirley Manson would have been doing in 1995, but just brought up to modern standards. And so for that, the kind of simplicity of what that is, like, oh, let's just do what garbage were doing in 1995, but with, you know, 2023 production best i fucking love that shit like i mm. absolutely love that shit and i think you know you've got um you mentioned performer which again you know closes the album off with this really kind of oddly dark and mm. resigned it's it, it, you know like saying about uh, my, my parents are performers so now i i am as well and it's a bit like you know you kind of being it's the the tears of the clown sort of thing isn't it mm. it's great and I mean, we did Gwen Stefani recently and there's a song on it called Look At You, which is a bit like kind of, I'm going to call it San Junipero Core. Sounds a bit like <laughs> Cool by Gwen Stefani. So do you know San, San Junipero? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Black... My favourite episode of Black Mirror, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And brilliant. you know yeah. how that is just like Miami Vice sort of stuff. It's like, it, it, it's that, isn't it? It's fucking great. Well, I said it was a soundtrack to a John Hughes film kind of. It's, it's between mm. Act 2 and Act 3 where you have the uh, montage that segues them into kind of the, the real selves, I suppose. But then obviously you do get a performer after it, which kind of undercuts that sentiment. Uh, I would have thought your favourite song would be Cry Hard Enough, just because that's clearly going to be your new Twitter insult, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. bit yeah. more ballad. I mean, I do quite like that one. I think it's, it's oh, it is good, high, yeah. quite a high bar. Um, it also, they've got a bit of uh, the same groove and synth that uh, someone like Mystique used to use back in the 2000s on that song. So mm-hmm. I quite like that. Um, I thought it was all right, that song, but it's, you know, I like the big dumb sort of daft shit or the like, not even daft, but like I like the big kind of well OTT stuff on here. Yeah. So yeah. that's not one of my favourite ones, to be honest. But I think like you're basically beating the trolls. It's taken you 12 years. I mean, that sounds like an old god. Only took you 12 years to, to, to beat the trolls, but you finally did it. But no, no, I mean, I think that no one's going to be slagging off Rebecca Black now, are they? I mean, somebody will be. They will, yeah. Somebody's going to slag off everybody, aren't they? You see yeah. stupid shit all the time. But um, I think this is fucking good, this album. And again, right? 
How long is it, Sam? 10 tracks? 10 30 tracks. 30 minutes. Perfect. 30 minutes and 35 seconds. In Mwah. and out. Lovely. In and out. And does more in 35 minutes than Full of Hell and Primitive Man do in 30... What is it? 34, I think it is. Yeah. Something like that. 35 minutes, yeah. So that's five minutes yeah. longer and has 10 times less the ideas on it, I would say. So what you're saying full of hell primitive man lisa stansfield and rebecca black for the next i don't think rebecca black needs to get involved with this because i think well she's she's a pop star obviously she's a pop star so they're all trying to muscle in on metal look at lizzo honestly pathetic (laughs) yeah that's what they're doing they're definitely doing that (laughs) they're all out to get me it's not paranoia if they're all out to get you no definitely i think the thing that all of beyonce really would look back at her career and go (laughs) Well, if only I wrote caught in a mosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I failed. I failed because I never had Ishan appear on one of my albums. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he probably worked quite well on a Beyonce album. He probably of all, of would, all the people fair. you could and have I think, yeah. yeah, but I think, and I think he would like to do that. And I think he would yeah, yeah. enjoy doing that. And I think he would be honoured to do that. And it would be really good. It'd be very, very interesting. I think the two of them would work well together. But I just unfortunately think people in uh, with you know with slightly more blinkered narrow world view yes. wouldn't appreciate it for what it is. But anyway, that's not that's not our problem, is it? It's really not our problem. No, but it's funny. It is funny. It is funny. What a, what a funny, funny story. story. <laughs> oh. Uh, jinx. Oh, got you on the old jinx, didn't I? Do you have that? Oh, Sam's like fucking out. I can't believe can't talk. You got to say my name now. Oh yeah, ten times or something. Say my name. Say my name. (laughs) Uh, All right, good. Well done, Rebecca Black. Let her burn. (laughs) They're not. They're they're really not. Um, Let her burn. I'll tell you what. I did have before. I'm gonna chuck this. Southampton getting knocked out of the cup by fucking Grimsby yesterday. I had a shit day yesterday and then that came through. I was delighted. How was it? And that made me happier than anything that's actually happened to me as a person <laughs> in fucking ages. Pathetic. Anyway, yeah. Rebecca Black, Let Her Burn is out and it's been out for a long time. So if you've missed it, here's your chance to go and listen to it on our say so. If you already listened to it and you're like, yeah, I know about this. Sorry, we you know we didn't we didn't get it we didn't get it through. All right, next week. Speaking of periphery, we'll be doing I think periphery album. Aye, next I week. reckon so. Yeah, periphery. And uh, someone sent us an album by somebody called Model Actress, and I first had to listen to that. And I think we're going to review that next week. That actually came out a Friday ago, but fuck me, it's really good, really really good. Oh, fucking spoil that, haven't I? Ridiculous. <laughs> there we and, go. That's uh, the review. That's next. That's next week ruined, isn't yeah, it? So we don't need to do it now. We've just done it. <laughs> um, also. We did it. We put a Twitter poll up about what we would do for the next kind of oh, competition. Your fear. And we got drummers. Oh, you fucking, you're meant to pick girl bands, you idiots. But we will be doing that quite soon. So, you know, if you want to tweet us or message us and say, this person is my favourite drummer, obviously, you know, we're not going to kick out Keith Moon for the bloke who drums in, like, part-time in Jamie Lemon's band or whatever. Not going to do that. Although he's actually quite a good drummer. But, he is a good drummer. Uh, yeah. He's a very good drummer. But, um... So no shade on that dude at all. I just, you know, they're going to be big iconic drums. We're going to do that soon. Anyway, that's it. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Go to patreon.com forward slash true cut pop and you'll be able to listen to all of that exclusive lovely stuff, which will include 80s matchbox beeline disaster. 
Hey, well done. That's what they're called uh, on Saturday. And then Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill coming midweek for your beautiful ears. Beautiful, lovely, wonderful, lovely, beautiful ears. See you next week, everyone. Say goodbye, Sam. Goodbye, everyone. I'll Bye. see you on.